Welcome to Splainin', a podcast where two guys explain things to each other that they should know, but they do not. People, Mm-mm, I'm Jeff Sims, and I'm Evan Smith. I like the little change up you did. Well done. Thank you, Jeff. I'm just mixing it up, you know? Mixing it up, you I don't know? like complacency. No, like, we, ha- I- we have the same thing every single episode on purpose, but I'm glad that you changed it. <laughs> oh, I see. There was jest in your statement. Mm, no, I-, I enjoyed it. It was good. A little bit of change of pace. Doesn't hurt anybody. <laughs> Unless you're in the movie Speed, in which case a change of pace does hurt people because it blows up the bus. I don't remember that movie. <laughs> Did you just spoil speed for somebody? I no, me. The premise at the beginning of the movie um, was they're on a bus. They're on a bus. Keanu Reeves, Sandra, Sandy B, Sandra Bullock. Okay, I was like Sandy B. That's uh, Look at me, Sandy B. <laughs> so they're in it, and I can't remember who the guy who plays the villain is. Anyway, he's rigged this bus to like a city bus. Yeah. If the bus goes below fifty kilometers, oh an yes, hour, yes, yes, I remember. It will explode. And they put newspapers up in the the windows of the bus. Yes, I can't remember why. But they so did. that they can disguise the hostages as they plan to figure out what they're oh, And do. they're trying to get them out. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, so anyway, yeah, they can't go below 50. So in that case, a change of pace will actually hurt people. Interesting. <laughs> well, I'm the glad I'm glad. In which case, a change of pace could actually hire an individual. Just thought that's what you were asking me to explain. A- and that's explaining, folks. Have a great night. <laughs> Drive safe. God. We've been Evan and Jeff. What is the digging? Uh, it's my iPad. Can but you it, fix well, it? I've got it on. Do not disturb. Well, turn down the volume as well. The volume is on zero. Then there's a ghost pad. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so one thing I think is fun to note, and that is we started with our Christmas jingle. Yes. It, it began last week. Yep. No, that's a lot. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Yep. Um, and a week went by mm-hmm. where Jeff and I checked in with each other <laughs> daily and we said... Anybody mention the jingle to you? Any compliments? Anything? Anything about the jingle? Not a word. Not a word. Jeff, it's silence from the gallery. silent night. Radio silence. Mm -hmm. Holy night. Dead air. Until Hmm. Evan paid a trip to his local Liquor Express at Coleman's. Yep. Where he met Rita. You'll remember Rita. You'll remember Rita. As I always do. And I hadn't seen her in a while, actually. Mm-hmm. I had, don't think I've been to that that Liquor Express in a while. Anyway, this day I was like, I don't got time to go all the way down to Sobeys. Ain't no one got time for that. Nobody. Nope. So, saw Rita, had a great chat with Rita, and one of the first things that came out of her mouth yeah. was... Yeah. That Christmas jingle. Oh my yes, God. I was in the God. car. I was laughing. My, tears streaming down my face. God. She probably didn't say that. No. But I elaborated in my mind of how much she enjoyed it. Exactly. You can tell by the expression on her face. She was just afraid to really dive in and tell and you. And not only that, mm-hmm. she bought t shirts. She did. Which says, we've made our first ad. Yep. And it worked. And it worked. What 100% success rate. The, well, one, the one person who listened to it <laughs> <laughs> bought shirts. <laughs> Uh, right? One for one. Yeah, the units. I can only assume only, only read listen to because otherwise, otherwise people would have be, told us. Yeah, comments would be flooding in. Yes, yes. If people were truly yeah. listening to us consistently, they would be letting us know. Actually, on Facebook, um, a friend of the podcast, Kim, also commented and said she loved the, um, and now a word from our sponsors. And now a word from our sponsors. I think that's that's great to note. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because we worked really hard on that. We did. We, we went did. out for supper. We went out for supper. And like, didn't even have fun chats. We just no. came up with that jingle, which was really dry and boring. Yeah. And uh, when when the waitress came over to give us to service beer, it was very uncomfortable because the entire time, ho, 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 <laughs> just trying to come up with a voice. And, but that I mean, was less uncomfortable than, 
She's like, um, I don't know what game these two are playing. She's like, can I get you guys an, an, another Are you beer? two staying in the hotel? Or... <laughs> Do I need to call somebody? <laughs> and she did. And it was the police. And they escorted us out. Yes, but luckily, we're okay. <laughs> oh, clearly thought something was coming. Yeah, I didn't know no. there was something coming, but I decided to keep it to myself. Oh, good. Okay. Yes, because this is PG-13, remember? Yeah, that's. I think that's a good rating. PG thirteen. PG thirteen. Yeah, it's like a good um, scream movie, or is that like eighteen? Uh, is scream like the parody? Kind of. They're all like, yeah, yeah, the parody. Yeah, but what's the one like that's come from a real scary thing? Isn't it? Isn't it? I'm sure it is. Like the guy with the, ma- with the mask. With a silly mask. There's on, a yeah. real horror movie with that guy, right? I'm sure there must be. Yes. Scary movie is what you're thinking. Scream is the scary one. Scary movie is Scream the isn't scary because I was watching Scream and it had but Terminal Electrap. In- he does. Are you sure? It's a funny movie. It's on Netflix or Amazon. And me and Catherine watched the first opening scene when Carmen Electra is chased by him. And it's a great scene, but it's funny. It's not funny, but it's meant to be funny. But is that not scary movie? I think that's scary movie. No, scary movie is different. Okay. Well... Are what? there even scary movies? Or no, the, the is title life of the but movie, a comedy? <laughs> the title of the movie is Scary Movie. Yeah. The Scary Movie 1, Scary Movie 2, Scary Movie 3. Yeah, yeah, but there's also Scream. Yeah. Uh-huh. And also a comedy? Correct us. <laughs> Correct Jeff. I think I'm right. Mm. Mm. I, meanwhile, I've seen neither, so I, who knows? Yeah, just freak you then. Um, one correction I have from last week, speaking of corrections. Oh, go on. Um, I mentioned ASMR, and we were like, well, yeah, I think we kind of know what that is, but not really sure. Yep. Remember? It stands for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. Sure, I knew that. It typically refers to the tingly feeling that travels from the head downward that some experience in response to certain sounds, feelings, or descriptions. Mm. Have you ever felt this feeling? I'm sure I have. Have you? I don't know. I 100% have. Oh, then Didn't yeah. Realize, but it's see, here's the weird thing. So the term was actually coined in 2010 by this girl who experienced this as a kid, which is exactly when I used to experience it all the time. Sure. Into her adulthood, she kept experiencing it, and she eventually coined the term autonomous, because it was a feeling from within, mm-hmm. sensory, which is self-explanatory, Yep. meridian, suggesting a peak, but also it's it's sort of orgasmic is the word that she used. And, Interesting. And it's a similar feeling. And the energy pathways of traditional Chinese medicine um, for, uh, and then response was just to say that it wasn't a constant state. Um, I used to get this when listening to certain people talk. I used to go to this orthodontist when I was like... 10 or 11 and they thought they were gonna have to do like a jaw surgery and uh whenever i would listen to like he had a, he spoke with a lot of sibilants which is like like their s's are very prolonged like not a lisp sure but like like a like every s is very like pronounced it's the th- it exists it, it really exists um anyway i and whenever he would talk like i would get this feeling down the back of my neck and like i could never pay attention to what he was saying <laughs> I know I not not like an arousal. Yeah. But like, oh. like I just haven't like, hit puberty at the orthodontist. <laughs> <laughs> but like it's like a sensation of like ooh, like tingles. Sure. And like and listening to him speak, it would happen. Like and a, a few other people in my life like listening to them speak, I, it's always that sibilance S that like makes yeah. me go like, oh weird. Anyway. So is it the same thing as getting like cold shivers? No. When you're listening to music and you're like, oh, that's a great flat no. two. No, no, no. It's not like getting chills or like, oh my god, I got goosebumps. It's not that. It's very like head oriented. You feel it in your head and down your neck. You don't get goosebumps. Um, 
Anyway, so then I sort of looked up, okay, so like, why is it a big thing now? Because I've heard about ASMR a lot recently. Yeah, I can't Even, say I can empathize with you there. Anyway, <clears throat> it's a YouTube sensation. Oh! So I watched a couple of videos of it, or listened to it. It feels like super, 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 su- ooh, nice. That, but that sound would be ASMR, or the sound of like a... No, no, isn't the ASMR the reaction to the sound, not the yes, sound itself? but like an ASMR video would be one that tries to trigger your ASMR. Yeah, there are literally videos of like, and like this kind of shit. And it's basically like really, 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 really softcore porn is what it seemed like to me. Like it's a lot of girls whispering. It's like very female dominated. It's very like, um, yes, I like understand even what the you're videos where you can't see anybody, like, like see the person talking. You can like see the hands like rubbing against like a, like a fake ear. You can hear the sound of like a like a ear rubbing. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it's very <laughs> can like. Can you tell me what that sounds like? Just rub your own ear. It sounds like that. But how, oh, I guess you you could hear your own ear being rubbed. Could you? Yes, but it's, like, it's your own pinna. Yes, but it's the it's the sound of that, not your own ear. Anyway, okay. It's like I I kind of want to like play a little snippet for you. Okay. Okay. Do you already have one at the ready? I got one at the ready. Okay. Okay, so it's like, it's like, it didn't do anything for me. It didn't give me the sensation, but I, I understood from listening to it, oh, that's what I experienced when I was a kid. Oh, okay. All okay? right. So, um, <clears throat> okay, I had a good one. I was going to say, remember when you said you had one at the ready? Yeah, you know what? Shh. This is called Delicious Pumpkin Recipes Satisfying ASMR. Okay. I'm listening. Good evening. Tonight I'd like to share with you both savory and sweet pumpkin recipe. So it's a lot of that. It's like really ah, quiet talking. Ah. It's whispering. It's like she's pouring soup. Like you'll hear the knife go through the dessert. Like really like. They're intimate noises. They're very intimate. Anything that quiet is intimate. N- no. A kind of. Anything that's intentionally quiet and specifically intimate. I know, but they don't bill it as intimate. Anyway, it was weird. Like I watched it for like a couple minutes and I just be like, okay, so what am I experiencing? And like afterwards, I was like, feels a little weird. Feel a little <laughs> weird. Anyway, um, I have a oh, go on. I have a correction. Go on. Not even a correction, but yeah. um, we remember we were going through nutrients, and I said RDA, and you're like, what's that? And I was like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I do remember. <laughs> it's the recommended daily allowance. Oh. Which seems like such an easy thing to be like, oh yeah. I felt, when you said it, I was like, it seems like something like you should have every day. Yeah. I think like, I actually what is did, your... I said like something daily something. Maybe. Yeah, I, I I got one of three. Like I said one of three things, made up a word. That word might have been daily. I can't remember. Hmm, 33%. Anyway. Well done. I also have a new segment for the podcast. Listening. It's called Headline of the Day. Okay. Okay. Read a BBC article today. Uh-huh. B- BBC? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, there is a metal. BBC! <laughs> Yeah, that movie. British fifth lies. The producers. The producers. Yes, I could have just guessed that anyway. Yeah. Not listen to you, but like name that movie. The producers. Yep. Um, there is a metal monolith found by a helicopter crew in a Utah desert today. Twelve feet in the air. No, or high. Twelve feet high. You saw this article. I saw the article. Do you know how they found it? No. They were looking. They were counting sheep. <laughs> like one fell would asleep. Do. Yeah. <laughs> 
had a dream yeah. there was a monolith nah. in the desert. No, they were they were literally like a biologist was in the helicopter and they were counting how many sheep were in this area in the Utah what desert. A mo- Imagine if you like lost count, you had to circle back. No, <laughs> J- John, John, you're gonna have to circle back. I just have to. Well, they did him. lose go because he was like, "Stop!" They were like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "Go back. I don't know what that is." <laughs> anyway, they just this monolith. Just like they're like, "I don't know what this is. It might be an art installation. No one claimed responsibility for it." And they're like, "Aliens? Likely not." But it's like. It's weird. It's like a weird Breaking Bad thing where you just see like this truck, this RV in the middle of the desert. You're like, where did this come from? Yeah. Yep. So maybe it's a, it's a 12 foot long metal meth it's lab. A, it's a methylith. Seriously. Yeah. So this is a fun and exciting episode for us here today. Always fun and exciting. If Always one fun and exciting. If descriptor for the episode, it would be fun and exciting. Yes, indeed. Um... We have lots of really great um, topics. And to be, if I'm being honest with you, I can't remember who goes first. Technically, I do. Well, but I'm willing, I'm willing to pass up the firsties if you want it. Mm, you can go first if you'd like. And I will. Go on. Okay. Um, so I am doing the... Ep- uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to go first. All right, so this... <laughs> <laughs> I am doing the gunpowder treason plot. Are you? I am. I remember. What do you think I was doing? The gunpowder treason plot. No, you seem confused. I am confused. Guy Fox. Yes. The gunpowder treason plot. Okay, yes. He's just one of the people involved. Mm-hmm. He's the one we remember. Mm-hmm. Ready for a poem? <laughs> Always. <laughs> Hold on, it's this ASRM? A poetry ASMR? by Evan Smith. Um, do we're we're quietly and whisper in I'm not going to do that. He's <laughs> calling your cat all the time. <laughs> uh, remember, remember, the 5th of November. The gunpowder treason and plot. I know of no reason why the gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. Guy Fox and his companions did the scheme contrive to blow the king and parliament all up alive. Three score barrels laid below to prove old England's overthrow. But, but by God's providence, him they catch with a dark lantern lighting a match, a stick and a stake for King James' sake. If you won't give me one, I'll take two. The better for me than the worse for you. A rope, a rope to hang the Pope, a penneth of cheese to choke him, a pint of beer to wash it down, and a jolly good fire to burn him. <laughs> Holla boys, holla boys, make the bells ring. Holla boys, holla boys, God save the king. Hip, hip, hooray. That's the poem. Although they have hip, hip, hooray. So I feel like it's a roll. Hooray! Yeah, I couldn't roll my R's. I was hoping that you could do it for me. Mm. Um, so the Coles notes of the poem, Guy Fox and the Bias try to blow up Parliament. They get caught. This. They try to hang them, feed them with cheese, wash it down with wine. <laughs> You've ruined my dramatic... Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, you've read the poem. This is their story. <laughs> <laughs> and they had a bit of cheese and they got a bit of gas, didn't they? Yeah. Very good. So well, I can go on my topic then, can uh, I? <laughs> um, it could be said that the story started when the Catholic Pope of the day failed to recognize England's King Henry VIII's novel ideas on separation and divorce. He wanted to get divorced. Oh, and so the Pope was like, no, bye. Catholic Church, you can't get divorced, right? I mean, you can. Not Now you can. You couldn't before. And mm. even now you're like shunned. Henry, annoyed at this, severed ties with Rome. 
also his wife's head, but that's another story, <laughs> and appointed himself head of the Protestant Church of England. This is the beginning of the Church of England. What? Nothing. Okay. Keep going. Thus beginning the role of the monarchy in Britain being the head of church and state. Ooh. Which don't they say you should separate church and state? Yeah, well, now they do. Yeah, but they don't. No. Not in England. Not then. She's Not even now. The queen is the head of the Church of England. Still. Yes, I know that. Do you know why? Because I told you about it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so between 1533 and 1540, King Henry VIII took control of the English church from Rome, the start of several decades of religious tension in England. Mm. English Catholics struggled in a society dominated by the newly separate and increasingly Protestant Church of England. Hmm. Henry's daughter, Queen Elizabeth I, responded to the growing religious divide by introducing the Elizabethan Religious Settlement, which required anyone appointed to a public or church office to swear allegiance to the monarch as head of church and state, which becomes problematic when you're a priest and the head of state is head of the Protestant church. You must swear allegiance to the Church of England, which is the Anglican. Woof. The penalties for refusal were severe. Fines were imposed, and repeat offenders risked imprisonment and execution. Woof. Yes. Catholicism became marginalized, but despite the threat of torture or execution, priests continued to practice their faith in secret. Did you know this about the Catholic Church? Uh, As a Catholic yourself? No. Not Not this specific tale. Oh, they were like... You couldn't be a Catholic in England, basically. That was like that's like the first time ever that Catholics were like. I think that's why they got up on their high horse after. I was gonna say, yeah, <laughs> yeah it sounds like they they got rotted. It's like the Illuminati times a hundred. Yeah. Uh, when Elizabeth died without children in 1603, her cousin James the Sixth of Scotland became King James the First of England. Good. James had not been long on the throne before he started to upset the Catholics within his kingdom. They appear to have been unimpressed with his failure to implement religious tolerance measures. They were thinking, okay, he's going to, because he sort of, sort of implied in a way he wasn't going to be as strict as Elizabeth or her father were on Catholics. Um, but he was. But he just didn't do anything. He wasn't strict. He just didn't change anything. Just indifferent. Yeah, absolutely indifferent. Um, he, uh, they all, Catholics got a little more annoyed when he ordered all Catholic priests to leave the country oh. after a while. So essentially, the Catholics were being treated like really second-rate citizens and being pretty severely oppressed. I mean, execution. So maybe oppressed isn't really the appropriate word. Um, like, they could be put to death for being a Catholic. Yeah. Um, being a Catholic and not and not bowing down and just being like, okay, fine, I'll be fine, an Anglican. I'll be whatever. Um, because all of this came down from the top, King James and his ancestors before him who created this mess, it's only natural the Catholics wanted them out. Mm-hmm. So plots began to be hatched. Ooh. Hatched? Plotted? Plots began to be plotted, seems weird. Hatched? Hatched, maybe. Great. In the f- we'll use hatched. We'll use hatched. In the first plot, referred to as the by-plot, B-Y-E, lies in like, bye, Felicia. Bye! Two priests planned to kidnap James and hold him in the Tower of London until he agreed to be more tolerant towards Catholics. Which is a very like politically correct way. It's like you can't leave until you're. What, what, what are you asking of me? You must be more tolerant. <laughs> All right, bye. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you say so. If you say so, I will be more tolerant. And don't put your golden hair out the window. <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, word got back to the courts of the king, and nothing came of this. Another plot called the Main Plot involved getting rid of King James and his family and replacing him with Arbella Stuart, who was one of the possible successors of Queen Elizabeth in the first place. 
The only reason King James was old Lizzie's successor over Arbella was that James's dad was the eldest son, so he outranked her just slightly. Just slightly. These plots all failed <clears throat> and led to even more executions. Great. Who died? All the people involved in the plots. Evita. I was hoping you say our Akita. That's Evita. Our Akita. Who understand. died? Never what? mind. Move on. No. What? Have what you is... not seen Rent? Yeah. Who died? Oh, oh, the dog. Our Akita. Evita. Mimi, I'm surprised. <laughs> A bright and charming girl like you. Moving forward. Enter Robert Cattisby. 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 Cattisby, fetch me my beer. <laughs> A man of, this is in quotes, ancient, historic, and distinguished lineage. He was described, imagine that. Imagine that. He was, de- <laughs> he was described by his contemporaries as a good-looking man, about six <laughs> feet tall, athletic, and a good swordsman. Lord Dine. So, you know, living the dream. Isn't he? Was uh, Robert, Rob Cattisby. He took um, part in the Essex Rebellion, which I didn't have time to go into, but I assume, like, I know Essex is part of England. Sure. I assume that the people in Essex rebelled. Uh, he was wounded and captured. So, not that good of a swordsman, Mm-mm. apparently. But the queen allowed him to escape, so... He was handsome. He was handsome. <laughs> After finding him 4,000 marks, equivalent to more than 6 million pounds, as of 2008, said this article that I read, which is like, so what would that be now? COVID cash, nobody wants it anyway, don't no worry lie. about it. Yes. Cattisby also helped urge King Philip of Spain to invade England, but although sympathetic towards the plight of the Catholics... King Philip wanted to make peace with King James, so mm. did nothing. So Cattisby starts doing a 1600 version of Ocean's Eleven. Ooh. Cue the montage. He starts going around, rounding up the guys. Pe- keep going, I like this. People he fought with, Francis Ingleby, said to have been one of the best swordsmen of the day. Thomas Wintour, a competent scholar able to speak several languages. So they've all got their superpower. Go dun, 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 then they travel to Spain where they seek out Guy Fox, a convert to the Catholic faith. Fox had been a soldier who had spent several years fighting in Italy. It was during this period that he adopted the name Guido, Italian for Guy, perhaps to impress the ladies. I was living for that. Yeah. I wanted you to do like a more sensual thing when I said impress the ladies. That's the second time you've done that, but in the other direction. Yeah. So good. Creative. We've got full circle going up. Uh, so those guys are involved. They like round them all up, right? Yep. The first meeting between the five conspirators took place on May 20th, 1604. Yep. Alone in a private room. I want to be in the room where it happens. <laughs> the five plotters swore an oath of secrecy on a prayer book, which is a weird way to say Bible, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. The Catholic Book of Worship. Yes. The Probably. Yeah. Yeah. The goal to blow up the House of Lords during the state opening of Parliament on November 5th, 1605. Uh-huh. On that date, all their targets would be in one place. The main target always being King James, but on this night, they could also get the monarch's nearest relatives, members of the Privy Council, which you'll remember from when I told you about the Queen. I do remember. Senior judges of the legal system, bishops of the Church of England, and members of the House of Commons. They'd get them all in one Yeah, one you kind of got to. Yeah. Um, it's just like Game of Thrones. Very much so. They're all in one place. Great. Yep. Get the dragons. Mm. Mm. Different scene. <laughs> Different scene, same book. 
Another important objective was to kidnap the king's daughter, Elizabeth, Elizabeth. Who, who they would install as queen for the English throne. But being nine years old, they could change the laws um, and, and prejud- uh, change the prejudice laws against Catholics. Because yes. like, we'll just tell her what to do when she's nine, so whatever. Yeah. We'll give you a Barbie if you would say do what we say. That's where the expression, when in Rome, comes from. Exactly. Yep. Yes. When in Rome, here's a Barbie. I think that's where, that's where they come from. <laughs> and also, throw another steak on the Barbie. Um, but that's the Australian descent. So they purchased the lease to an undercroft, hmm. um, which were common features of buildings at the time, used for storing food and firewood. Basically like a cellar, but like bigger than a cellar. Like it was basically the whole, like a basement of your house that's only like, you know, just you sort of had to squat to go in there. But oh. it was underneath the entire building. So, like, under the foundation? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. The Undercroft. The Undercroft. They per- the Undercroft they purchased was directly beneath the first floor of the House of Lords. Why were they allowed to buy that? Why is, any- why is that up for market? Who knows? Who's to say? The Palace of Westminster, where the House of Lords was, was the former royal palace. But at this time, House Parliament and the Royal Law Courts. Um, because the, the um, royals now lived... I don't know, Buckingham or Buckingham. wherever they lived. Now. Sure. But there were many buildings all around the premises from medieval chambers, chapels. There were shops and taverns within the confounds as well. There are conflicting stories as to whether a tunnel was dug leading to the, this undercroft from one of the boys' houses. Uh, but it didn't seem that plausible, so I sort of ignored it. Because on Splainin, we only deal with facts. Only facts. And nothing else. No nothing. conjecture. Yes, there's zero possibility for incorrectness. I mean, that's our mandate. Yes. Just pure knowledge, scientific-based, peer-reviewed, not Google, not Wikipedia. Our board of directors will stand for nothing less. Nothing less. And when I say board of directors, I mean like a bulletin board. (laughs) (laughs) There's a picture of mine and Jeff's face on it. Uh, With with captions, directors. Yes. It's a board of directors. So they start moving (laughs) barrels of gunpowder into the cellar. Uh, 20 barrels at first. Now this is March. Parliament is meant to open. Oh, yeah. When I said November 5th earlier, that wasn't really the date they had planned on. So the plague is getting sketchy. They're meant to open up in March. Mm -hmm. COVID-19 taken off, essentially. And it did. So they hold off. They don't open in March. No. They move 16 more barrels of gunpowder in on July 20th. Just because. Well, because they think Parliament's going to open now. They're like, well, who knows what's going on with the old... 20 barrels. They've been in there for a while. True. They could get skunky. Skunky. So Parliament's delayed again due to threat of the plague. It's finally rescheduled for Tuesday, November 5th. Remember, remember, the 5th of November. <laughs> of November. Fox leaves London for a while. <laughs> As in Terry. Yeah, but when you said <laughs> Fox, it sounded like you were saying the F word with an S at the end. You were just like, Fox. F A W K E S. Fox leaves London for a while. But when he returns, he and Windhor discover that the gunpowder stored in the Undercroft had decayed. Went skunky. So more gunpowder was brought in, mm-hmm. along with a firewood to conceal it. It's now October. The details of the plot have been finalized. They've got another eight to ten guys involved. They've got other properties purchased in strategic places. they got horses on nearby land. They, own, they have for getaways. Everything is all figured out. Mm-hmm. 
Guy Fox would be the one left to light the fuse and then escape across the River Thames, while the rest would start a revolt in the Midlands and capture the king's daughter. Ooh. Then Fox would leave the country and explain the events in England to the European Catholic powers. So he'd go to Spain, he'd go to wherever the Catholics are, yeah. and try and get their support once all the people in England were dead. So naturally, the buys are meeting constantly figuring this all out. Their wives are hearing it, and they're getting a little concerned about what they suspect the men are up to. As well, some of the men start to express concern about the safety to fellow Catholics who would be present at Parliament on that day. Mm -hmm. We just want to get the Anglicans. Yep. Cattersby suggests that a a minor wound or illness could keep those um, away that they cared about on that day. That was a riot. Oh. Unintentional. Right? So, like, if you don't want somebody to be there that you know is going to be there, be like, oh, I'm not feeling great today. Oh, don't tell them why. my throat. Yeah, don't tell them why. It's like, you can't go on that day. And then comes the Monteagle letter. Mm. Lord Monteagle was the brother-in-law of one of the conspirators. And he receives an anonymous letter, basically saying, don't go to Parliament, she gon' blow. Oh! What he actually says was, my lord, out of the love I bear to some of your friends, I have care of your preservation. For though there be no appearance of any stir, yet I say they they shall receive a terrible blow this Parliament, and yet they shall not see those who hurt them. So, Lord Monteagle presents this letter to Robert Cecil, King James's chief minister. Why? Good question. Some historians believe that through this his his web of spies, Cecil had known about this plot for some time before this mm. and had allowed the plot to thicken. Why? To both ensure that all the conspirators were caught and to promote Catholic hatred throughout the country. Of course. So like let it build, let it build, let it build so that all of us could go like the Catholic plan list, boo Catholics. Yep. The king orders parliament to be searched from top to bottom. On the first look, they find a large pile of firewood in the undercroft beneath the House of Lords, Mm -hmm. accompanied by what they presume to be a serving man, which is Guy Fawkes, who told them that the firewood belonged to his master, Thomas Percy. They left the report, they left to report their findings, at which time Fawkes also left the building. The mention of Thomas Percy's name aroused further suspicion, though, as he was already known to the authorities as a Catholic agitator oh not someone who agitated catholics but someone no who was someone a who was a catholic who agitated those who were not the king <laughs> insisted that a more thorough search be undertaken they again found fox dressed in a cloak and hat and wearing boots and spurs as if ready to ride a horse mm. for a getaway all right i'll, I'll pick up where oh, yeah. you left off. <laughs> he was arrested whereupon he gave his name as john johnson so no thought went into that no i'm john johnson uh a search of his person revealed a pocket watch for timing the fuse several slow matches that burn slowly obviously and touch wood which was just like um wood uh, wood Uh, a duck um touch wood is like um uh what is it you put in a fire to like light first and then you put the wood in pellets No, um, you know what I mean, like um, uh, like a starter fire, starter starter wood. Ah, <clears throat> uh, yeah, but not starter wood. There's another word, like a uh, like. Mm-hmm. I buy it, like splits, 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 splits. <laughs> um, Thirty six barrels of of gunpowder were discovered hidden under piles of wood and coal. Fox was taken to the king early on the morning of the fifth of November. 
then Guy Fox was taken to the Tower of London, and the king decided that they, at this point they still thought he was John Johnson would be tortured. Oh, the use of torture was forbidden except by royal prerogative. Mm. So if the king was like, "You're getting tortured," you're getting tortured. He was definitely hung by manacles, and almost certainly subjected to the rack, which is the thing where they strap your feet and hands, and then they just stretch you. That sounds terrible. Yep. Under torture, that's not, there's much more than this. Under torture, Guy Fox identified himself and the names of his co-conspirators. And when you're getting stretched, what are you going to do? Yeah. Cattisby and three others were killed by soldiers while attempting to escape. The remaining eight were imprisoned in the Tower of London before being tried and executed for high treason. Great. But they weren't just meant to be executed. They were to be drawn, hanged, and quartered. Do you know what this yes, is? Yes, yes. Like like the same way you would a moose? Maybe. It's literally the worst thing you can possibly imagine. Your arms are tied to a big old piece of wood, okay. which is then tied to a horse. And then the horse just runs. And you're dragged behind it. That's what drawn is. Then you're hanged almost to death, but they cut you down before you die, before you lose consciousness. At which point they then castrate you, embowel, disembowel you, and quarter you, which is like arms off, legs off, and head off. Yep. Like a moose. Pretty sure. Um, either way, they yeah they decapitate you, and then they would put your head on a spike and stick it up at the castle gates. Like, very Game of Thrones style. That's yep. the thing that they did. Yep. Uh, Guy Fox managed to jump from the gallows and break his neck, and therefore was able to avoid the agony of the latter part of the execution. Yes. They still did all the things, but he didn't have to worry about it because his neck was broken. He was dead. Oh. Following the failed gunpowder plot, new laws were instituted in England that eliminated the right of Catholics to vote, among other repressive restrictions. So it didn't work. Nevertheless, Catholics began to mark the day with the ringing of church bells and bonfires because they, like, word got around that this kid was insane. Yeah. <laughs> the word got around that these Catholics tried to do this plot because Catholics were being so repressed. They were like, oh, this is awesome. Like, these guys tried to do this. Who was the guy behind it who lit the match? Alexander Hamilton. Guy Fox. <laughs> That's not the same ring. Button. Um... So, yeah, they start doing, uh, on that day, November 5th, they start ringing church bells and having bonfires. Even fireworks were included in some of the early celebrations. To this day, Bonfire Day, or um, um, uh, not just Bonfire Day, there's another word for it that I didn't write down, and now I just assumed I knew. No. November 5th is called Bonfire Day? No. Guy Fox Day? Maybe. Look it up now. Um and it continues to be celebrated to this day, primarily in Great Britain, but also in some Commonwealth countries, okay. Northern Ireland, and a little place called Newfoundland and Labrador. And it is. In this article on Wikipedia, they didn't say Canada. No. It's not celebrated in Canada. It's celebrated specifically in the Canadian province of Newfoundland and Labrador. The 5th of November is commemorated with bonfires and firework displays. I haven't been seeing fireworks on November 5th. No. Recently. Have you? No, I haven't. No. But I guess they say it's still a thing. It seems weird, though, that we would celebrate the attempt on the lives of other people. Even if it was, like, in kind of revolt against oppression. Like, you still... That's a weird thing to celebrate. Well, we wouldn't do it. We wouldn't do it now in the cancel culture that we're currently in. No, but, like, imagine, like, if we were celebrating Martin Luther King Day, but it was him trying to kill other people. Yeah. No, it is weird, I'll admit. Yeah. I guess because he didn't actually do it. You know I mean, like, if they had killed people, it would have been very different. Yes, yes, There's yes. Historic... But like, did he? Uh, he went down as a martyr. Yeah, 
it just it just seems very like it would be different for him to be like I'm a Catholic. I disagree with what you're doing. And then they killed him as opposed to being like, no, he actively tried to kill people. He actively yeah. tried to get away. He was dumb enough, got caught, and still died. And somehow but, we're like, yeah, you did good. But it is, I mean, it is a different time in that just for being Catholic, they would kill you. I understand. So it's not out to lunch the Catholics would be like, yay, this guy. Even though he tried to kill people, but it's like, well, the king killed people for no reason other than being Catholic. Yeah. So I, I just mean like it's a weird thing to celebrate. No, I agree. I think it it's is. to like acknowledge of like, yeah, I mean, like you're a martyr for the cause. Yeah, it's I guess it's it's what you stood for and like mm. because you didn't actually kill anybody, we can go like, Yay, you didn't do it. Like, wouldn't it be more, you know, just for him to just like stand up in front of everyone and be like, No. But he would be killed if he did that. Exactly. But he would be killed standing up for the rights of Catholics in the time. Yeah, but all the other Catholics did who did that who also died. But they weren't anything because like so many Catholics were being killed. But because like, he stood up to try to kill a lot of innocent people. Yeah, I guess. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no. It's weird. Mm-hmm. I'll agree. Mm-hmm. In 2005, an ITV program titled "The Gunpowder Plot: Exploding the Legend," great title, had a full size replica of the House of Lords built, and they filled it with one metric ton of explosives comparable to what Guy Fox had ready to go. According to the findings, no one within 330 feet or 100 meters of the blast could have possibly survived. Wow. All of the windows of Westminster Abbey would have shattered, as would have all of the windows within the vicinity of the palace, within 0.1 kilometers. Every window would have blown. Wow. The explosion would have been seen for miles and heard for miles more. Mm-hmm. Even if only half of the gunpowder went, went off, which Fox had prepared for, that's why they kept bringing in new barrels in case the stuff was skunky and it didn't blow... Um, everyone in the House of Lords definitely would have been killed instantly. See, now let's celebrate him. <laughs> After the gunpowder plot of 1605, it was considered prudent to search the cellars on the day before each state opening of Parliament, a ritual that continues to this day. Wow. They still search the cellars every opening of state of Parliament. Of course they do. One man becomes a martyr, and a practice of irrational searching continues. Not that irrational. Better check. Better check the basement before Has you start doing something upstairs. Has there been an attempt yet since? No. Like that? Not to my knowledge. No. But that's exactly like Game of Thrones. I'm not going to spoil it in case somebody hasn't seen Game of Thrones. If you haven't. Oh, yeah. You dummy. That's what I was mentioning. And then you were like, oh, the dragons. I'm like, there are no dragons. No, when yeah. Cersei I, does the. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I know. I forgot that happened. Yeah. yeah. That was the thing. That last season was a lot. Yeah, that was, that was the. That was the halfway finale right that was like the episode i can't remember seven or i can't remember i can't was. remember exactly where it yeah. landed but, but the last a- season was broke up into two seasons basically like they they did half of it and then they stopped and then you had to wait a couple months before the next came out yeah yeah sure that did happen didn't it i can't remember yeah i think seven came out in the fall and then seven and came then out six the- it's like seven and six or six yeah. and seven. So i like was 13. in florida when i watched like a couple episodes and then i came back and watched the finale with you yep yeah yep okay nice And now, a word from our sponsors. Ho, ho, ho! Now, young Tim, what can Santa get you for Christmas this year? Well, Santa, I was hoping for a new PlayStation 5 and an iPhone 12. (laughs) Well, that's a tall order, Tiny Tim, for someone whose parents could only afford one crotch. Oh. 
Mm. But I do have an abundance of splaining t-shirts in various sizes, styles, and logos at an affordable price. Oh, gee, mister. Do you really think I could get one? Oh, of course, Timothy. As long as you place an order before December 1st. The boys, elves, uh, are eager to get rid of them. It sounds like a win for everybody. (laughs) Oh, indeed it is. God bless us, everyone. Well, let's dive into something completely and utterly different. Let's. And shall. As, as in this bottle of wine that I'll dive into? Please, dive Would into like the bottle some? of wine. Uh, no, I still have some beer drink left. I mean, you can mix it and make a schlosh. Mm, not into it. Okay. Uh, so this week I'm diving into something which I moderately touched on before, which is currencies. And When did you moderately touch on it before? The Bitcoin. Oh, yeah, yeah. God, yeah. that was what, episode two? Yeah. Uh, episode one, I think. Yeah, might have been. I can't remember. You keep talking. I'm going to look it up. Yeah. So, um, speaking of hilariousness, which is episode one and episode two. Do you want to wait before you go on? Yep. Do you want to put any money on it? No. I really think it's episode two. Well, you just looked it up. No, no, I haven't looked yet. I'm still at 27. Uh, It is episode two. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It is episode two. What did you do in episode one? Uh, I can't remember. Deja vu. Deja vu? Yep. I did cameras, you did book coins, episode two. Yep. Okay. Uh, what was it called? The episode? Yep. Down the drain. Man, what a great, <laughs> great and we stuff. we have been ever since. Haven't we? Yeah. Um, so, you know what? I said, how am I going to start this topic? Because talking about currencies and trade and going over, you know, the USD versus the CAD and going through all these things and like, why is it different? I was like, you know what? We have to break this down a bit. Someone asked us to do this, correct? You asked me to do this. Nope. Someone asked me to ask to do it. And I don't remember who it was. Oh, Jen Benson. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Jen Ben. Well, excellent. Yeah. Um, so I don't, well, I don't feel so bad. Do you think she listened to episode two? 100%. She yeah, did? She, she's definitely behind by a lot, but mm. she's listened to the first 10, I think. Okay. Well, then I'm sorry, Jen, but guess what? I took the, the introduction to the same episode and no. used it again. Well, because I think it's important. Do you? No. Okay. No, I'm joking. Uh, I'm not, I'm not joking about using the same intro. I'm joking about thinking that it's important when it's not, uh, or thinking that it's not important when it is. Mm, I'm confused, but go on. Mm. <laughs> it worked. Um, but for real life, though, it is important to signify currencies and the value of monetary value and to figure out where it came from in order to understand where it is today. Great. So, I money, mean, who's going to None of us remember. Excellent. Perfect. Yeah. This is perfect. So, money is a means of trade. Uh-huh. Okay? You trade tender for service. Yeah. So, food and product, etc. Uh, before there was legal tender, you would oftentimes trade, you know, service for service or, you know, milk for bread or fish for wood or things like that. You know, I'll go build you a boat if you go, you know, wash me clothes. <laughs> Not an equal trade, mind you, but. No. Um, so, things like rice. Well, man, if somebody's doing my laundry, that is a fair trade. Yeah. <laughs> but they're getting off easy by building the boat. <laughs> Or I am, rather. Uh, so things like rice, wheat, essential metals, and gold all became value pieces and mediums for trade. Yeah. So it was a value piece for a value piece. Mm-hmm. Is this ringing a bell? <laughs> uh, in a very vague sense. Good. Yeah. So eventually, a service that would provide uh, that you could not have something to trade with. So, sorry. 
Eventually, there would be a service that you would provide that someone didn't want. Yeah, this is the second time you've done this. Get it right, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'd say you had one chance, but this is your second. <laughs> For instance, if you needed your clothes washed, but you had I do. nothing to provide other people a value with, there is no, <laughs> no way you would ever be able to do it. So eventually, they started coming Sexual up. favors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my clothes and thus donned asmr yeah. <laughs> i'll whisper in your ear if you do my laundry while <laughs> while you're doing his laundry god eventually they came up with legal tender kind of like an iou so you would get the tender which is money it would equal value uh then you could later get value from your money from someone else yeah Right, who could provide you some value. It became difficult, obviously, to carry around gold and other pieces of value, so they eventually created printed paper called money. Yep. So he eventually went from money to value. Okay. okay. But in order for someone to deem something as valuable, there must be trust, okay, that they are given for their services or products, uh, which truly does have value and would stay valuable long enough for them to cash it out later down the road. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, we would always trust something, like a product, like gold or services or, yes. or something like that. But eventually, we shifted our trust structure to trusting something to trusting someone. Right, i.e., a bank or government. Yes, which, if you recall, the um, Lord Dyne, um, don't hurt yourself. Knights Templar, they started it, this yeah. system of banking. Exactly. Yeah, because they would just like, they would ask pilgrims yeah. to like, you would just you can leave your stuff and go on your voyage. And when you get to the other place, we'll let them know that you've left stuff with us and you've got value. Exactly. Yeah. So <clears throat> they would offer to take possession of your gold or a valuable item and in turn would provide you with a receipt. Is yeah. exactly what you just said. Um, for that worth, printed and signed. Over time... The relationship or the bond between the receipt certificate and the item of value slowly became broken. So long story short, instead of the gold holding the value for the money, the government or the bank said that they will hold the value and maintain its integrity. We as a society agreed that we would just you know, trade bank receipts, bills, tender, money yeah. uh, that is backed by nothing more than the government's promise of value. Yeah. Yeah. Which is where it slowly then became money equals value, yep. which then equals trust. Yep. Or more so, money equals trust. Yep. That's how fiat money was created. Fiat is Latin for by decree, meaning that the bills have value because simply the government say they do. Yep. Right? So that's pretty well how we go from value piece to certificate money. Yeah. It's, it's why a lot of people are like, they like to keep cash in their house because they're like, what if, what if the money in my bank account? They're just like, nope, none of that exists anymore. Bye. And no, like, but it, it even goes even a step further past that. People keep like jewels and like, yeah. you know, like yes. like diamonds yeah. and or stuff in their house. Or gold or silver or whatever. Which yeah. are going like, if I go to Tim Hortons now with a bag of crystals, like they're not going to, you know, yeah. give me a muffin. Yeah. You know what I mean? But so if, if society goes to nutting. Yeah. Yeah. It, so it's kind of like, then it goes to paper tender. Yeah. And then people are like, well, I want to hang on to this because I don't want the banks because it's an electronic thing. It's just all the same thing. It's all backed by the government's promise that yeah. that is uh, a means for trade. Yeah. Right? So which part of the U.S. government sets the policy on how much money to print and its value, Mr. Smith? The Treasury Department. 
Uh, sure, maybe. Is it the uh, executive? Is it the legislative or the judicial? Oh, ooh, fun, because I talked about these. Yeah. Um, or is it none of the above? You asked who says how much money to print? Yeah, who sets the policy on how much money to print and its value? So one of those or none of the above. Correct. I'm going to say none of the above. You should always say none of the above whenever it's presented. Yeah, yeah. because you also added it as if like you gave me the three and I was about to answer and you're like, or... Well, I did that because I felt bad because then I'd have to justify me not giving you the proper answer. Yeah. It is none of the above. Yeah. Yeah. So monetary policy is set by an independent Federal Reserve System, or the Fed, made up of 12 regional banks in major cities around the country. No. Its board of governors, which is appointed by the president and confirmed by the Senate, reports to Congress, and all the Fed's profits go straight into the Federal Reserve, which is what you said. Um, they are not dictated by any department within the government. They kind of do their own thing. We're not talking like the Bank of America, are we? Do you mean like the Bank of America as in like the RBC of America? Yeah. They could be one of the 12. So there are 12 we- regional banks. That, okay, so that like, are, are part of the. So, so, like in Canada, like like we're talking like RBC, Bank CIBC, Montreal, like those are like those would be the twelve for us or whatever. The, uh, from what I'm understanding, yeah. twelve regional banks in major cities. Okay. Yep. Um, the reason why I'm giving you the U.S. Yeah. as opposed to Canada is because the U.S. has such an an influential part in the international the market. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so it's important to understand that. So. Why doesn't the Fed just decide to print infinite $100 bills to make everyone happy and rich? Because the more they print, the less it's worth? Exactly, because then the bills won't have any worth at all. Mm. Right? If the total amount of currency in circulation increases faster than the total value of goods and services in the economy, then each individual piece will be able to buy a smaller portion of those things than before. You're describing inflation. This is called inflation. Okay. On the other hand, if the money supply remains the same, while more good and services are provided, each dollar's value would increase, which is known as... Say again? Deflation. 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 There we go. Okay. So, Evan, which one is worse? Uh, I would say they're both equally bad. And why would you say that? Um, because inflation. So inflation is if the the value of the money is less, right? Compared to the service or good of trade, yes. Right. So that's not good because people's money are worth less, which makes the economy worse. Yep. And deflation means that the good and service you're getting is now cheaper because your money is worth more. So the people who are... Oh, no. I changed my mind. Inflation's worse. Okay. Uh, you were right the first time. Oh, damn it. Which is uh, both of them are bad in, it, in their extremes. Right. So too much inflation, exactly yeah. like you said, means that the money in your wallet today will be worth less tomorrow. Right. Oh, yeah, but the goods be worth less otherwise well, in, in deflation. If the money's worth more, then the goods are worth less, which is not great if you're like an apple farmer. Yeah. Right? Essentially. So, but something you got to think about is if your money is worth more today than it is tomorrow, what are you going to want to do with your money? 
Spend it. Spend it. While this would be good and stimulate business in the short term, it would also encourage overconsumption, hoarding commodities like food and fuel, mm. raising their prices, and leading to consumer shortages and even more and more and more inflation. Okay. So it would get exponential. Right. But too much deflation would make people want to hold on to their money. And a decrease in consumer spending would reduce business profits and leading to more unemployment and further decrease in spending, causing the economy economy to continue to shrink. Deflation meaning your money is worth more. Yes. So then why would you want to hold on to it? Like when I go Because it's worth more. Because it has more buying power. I know, but when I go to like remember there was a period where your Canadian dollar was worth a little bit more than US? Mm-hmm. And like when we used to go to the States, we'd be like, let's spend, baby. Because yeah. we can buy way better things now. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's it's a little bit different. Put it put it this way: it's like if your money is valued more, yeah, then you want to have more of it. Yeah, but the value of it won't remain consistent. It'll go down eventually. So why not spend it while it's worth more? No, no, no. You're implying that there's going to be inflation, which means that the value is going to decrease while the service and products increase. We're talking right. about deflation. No, I know. But at some point, there will be inflation if there's deflation. But we're talking about extreme deflation. Oh, I see. As in your your money will continue to grow value and value. And you're like, right. no, 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 no. So no, hold no, on no. to that shit. I'm going to hold on to this. Because tomorrow it'll be worth more than it is today. Exactly. Okay. As opposed to be worse. You know what I mean? Yeah, I understand. Why would I want to spend my $3 today when... And tomorrow it's it'll be f- exactly yeah okay right um uh, so most economists believe that while too much of either is dangerous a small very small consistent amount of inflation is necessary to encourage economic growth yeah i don't know if i agree with that but it is what it is i mean that is normally the case right because well it's like- it's our normal whether or not it's like a good normal yeah, Normal inflation yeah. runs between two to three percent a year. Yes. Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of like, because eh. like that's why everybody raises their rates. So you this. Yeah. 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 Um, so once money has been established in uh, fluctuate, it fluctuates. Sorry, in value based on a couple of things. Okay. So these days, some currency rates are jumping to all-time highs, while others plunge to record lows. Exchange rates are constantly fluctuating, but what exactly causes a currency's value to rise and fall? Yes. What do you think it is? Um, I, I really don't know. Sure. I don't think I have an idea. Simply put, currencies fluctuate based on supply and demand. Okay. Okay. Um, so like the exports of a specific country? Nope. So there's... It, like if we got a lot of maple syrup to, to ship off, <laughs> is it worth less because we got a lot of it? Well, this is more important. Let's... Before we start talking about stuff like international trade yeah. between two countries, which is where it really becomes important on the exchange rate between dollars right. or types of dollars, sorry, or types but, of currencies. But within, we're talking within a country. Within one country, yeah. why is your money worth what it is worth okay because that's what you got to bring it back to right because why why does it cost a nickel 50 years ago to get a bag of chips bag of chips but now now it's it's like three dollars exactly like that that's what's important inflation over the course of 50 years exactly inflation over the course of a few years could be a a number of different things right um so one way a country may stimulate stimulate its economy is through its monetary policy So many central banks attempt to control the demand for currency by increasing or decreasing the money supply and or the benchmark interest rates. 
So the supply is the amount of currency in circulation. So mm-hmm. it's simply going, how many $100 bills do we have? How many 20s? And so yes. on and so forth, right? As a country's money supply increases and the currency becomes more available, mm-hmm. the price of borrowing the currency goes down. Right. The interest rates, it, the, it, sorry, the interest rate is the price at which money can be borrowed. With a low interest rate, people and businesses are more willing and able to borrow the money. As they continually spend their borrowed money, the economy grows. However, if there's too much money in the economy and the supply of goods and services does not increase accordingly, prices may begin to inflate and cause a negative on the economy. Right. Because there's less less supply, more demand. Exactly. Yeah, okay. That no, no, uh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Demand yeah. being the dollar to demand it. Well, you said goods will, like, there's more money out there yep. than there are goods. So as the goods become scarce. Yes. Yeah, I remember this from Geo. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I remember this from Geo. Um, so obviously, when you look at one country based on how it's doing economically, how yeah. internally it's doing with, you know, a hundred things going coming in and out, their money, their inflation, mm. jobs, unemployment rates, interest rates, and so on and so forth. Right. The actual country builds economic value mm-hmm. and its prosperity. So interest rates, when it like when it's like, oh, interest rate is really great right now. Like for, yes. for example, like when I come to um you wanna hear that? When I come to like next year, next April, I can check get my it'll be my five year point of my mortgage on my house. Yep. And the interest rate will like right Likely. Likely, thank you. Be lower than when I got it. Yep. It wasn't horrible when I got it. It was like 2.63, which is pretty good overall. Yep. Right now, it's less than that. Yep. It's like 2 point something. Whatever. Whatever, or 1 point whatever. Yep. It's lower because the economy isn't doing as great. So it's the, there's lower interest in get borrowing money. Exactly. With, with so the they intent, want you, yeah. They want you to borrow money with the intent of then spending that money to make the economy go higher. Well, no. It, well, yeah, to spend the money on your house. Yeah. Right? So like right now, the economy is in a place where they say, we need to make some sort of money. Right. We don't know. Like we would rather make five cents right. than to make nothing. So with a lower interest rate, they'll help you buy a more expensive house. Exactly. So what it'll do is if they lower the interest rates, it'll yeah. stimulate people to yeah. be able to borrow more. Yeah. So people who couldn't afford five percent. Yeah. On a house. Yeah. Like which is irrational. Yes. Now they can afford to buy a house. Yeah. So now they will buy a house. Right. Exactly like you said, right? Okay. So, but that could also go the other way around, right? If they overstimulate the market, yes. then all of a sudden the market has no value, and yes. then it's just muddied waters, right? right. Um, so the inflation rate also contributes greatly to the fluctuation of the dollar value, which you know I just explained. Yeah. Um, so the economic and political conditions of a country can also cause a currency's value to fluctuate. Okay. While investors enjoy high interest rates, they also value the predictability of an investment. This is why currencies from politically stable and economically sound countries generally have higher demand, okay. which in turn leads to higher exchange rates. So the second a country becomes unstable, mm-hmm. Countries go, mm, I don't know if I want to have a bunch of your currency in my pocket. Like, for instance, let's say the, U- the United States was more unstable than it currently is. Right. And you have $1,000 in USD in your pocket. You go, this is about to be useless to me. Right. Because they're going to go into civil war. Yeah. And it's going to be worth $2. Yeah. 
I don't feel comfortable. I'm going to cash it out. All of a sudden, everybody starts doing that. When you start cashing in that money, it devalues the product. I see. Make sense? Yes. So, which explains why, like, you know, the U.S. dollar is almost always ranked higher than ours. A pound is always considerably more than a Canadian dollar because their economy, the countries are so stable. Like, Yes and no. Or, like, when you go to, like... I don't know. I'm pulling a country out of my hat. I'm not trying to be prejudiced anyway, but like no. when you go to, like, I mean, it's also weird because the value, like it's not everywhere isn't a dollar. So yeah. like you go to like, I don't know. Well, let's take the, like, the yen. Let's take the yen. Yeah. So like a thousand yen is worth like not a thousand dollars. No. But it's just a different word for whatever. Exactly. Because they have different currencies. Like yeah. a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of countries in their currencies yes. don't have cents and dollars. Right. Right. If we didn't have cents and do- if dollars, yeah, we would just have cents. Yeah. Which means if you wanted our new one dollar, it would be one hundred cents. So to have yeah. ten dollars, it would be a thousand. Right. So it's the same idea. Yeah. It's just a different right? word for it. Exactly. So if you went to Sobeys to buy a bag of chips, you'd pay three thousand cents. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's the same kind of concept. Yeah. But we just decide to differentiate them and have and I cents spend and it every time too. Oh, buddy, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Three dollars, that's conservative for you. You buy the, the party box. Twelve ninety nine. Goblet and the party bag from Costco the other day. Mm, yes. great. Catherine's been talking about those cheesy chips. They're called um creamy cheese. Yeah, I, I, no, wait. Is that get, not what not, I said? They're not called creamy cheese. That's a horrible ad. Creamy cheddar. Creamy cheese chips. Creamy cheddar, I think. Yeah. Creamy cheese chips. Creamy cheddar, that's what it is. Gross. They are a great time. They are now gone. I bet. I told her they would be gone. I went to Costco on... She somehow thought that they would be still here tomorrow night. Oh, no. I went to Costco on Wednesday last week. They were gone... You know, actually, I finished them last night. And today is Tuesday. So, I, it took me five days. Mm. That's pretty good. Mm. And meanwhile, no one really touched them. No. Catherine did when she was here the other night. That was it. Did you like the inside of the bag is the real question. Uh, no. I just put it in the bath and then drank the water. <laughs> 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 uh, so one of the biggest points of discussion when it comes to currency and exchange rates is international trade okay. and the exporting and importing of goods. Okay. When a service or good is produced in, let's say, China and then sold and shipped to the U.S. China. China. That counts for an export for China and an import for the U.S. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. As you would expect, the U.S. is the world's largest importer. In 2014... Importer. Importer. Meaning they're buying stuff from other countries. They're bringing stuff in, yes. Okay. In 2014, Americans imported over $2 trillion worth of stuff, okay. including major things such as oil, cars, and clothing. Although you would think the largest importer-to-exporter relationship of goods would be China to the U.S., Really, the U.S. has a greater import-export relationship with Canada. Really? Mm -hmm. In the billions. The net difference in a country's exports and imports is called its net exports. Okay. So if Canada exports $150 billion worth of goods, but imports $100 billion, then its net exports is $50 billion. Okay. In 2014, the net export in the U.S. was negative $722 billion. That's what you call a trade deficit. So they brought in way more than they put out. Exactly. So no one wants the U.S.'s stuff, but the U.S. wants everybody else's stuff. Well, see, here's the thing. 
at a glance, everyone says, whoa, 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 that's a bad thing. You're at a deficit in trade. Yeah. Right? But due to the types of products and how they are made, it is actually more cost-effective to trade different types of things that may be easier for other countries to manufacture than it would be to manufacture them in your own country. Because, mm, you know, child labor and stuff. Exactly. So even though these trades and export and import relationships are efficient money-wise, they're not always effective on ethics, right? no. like you just said a couple of minutes ago, Yeah. Uh, unfortunately. Um, unfortunately. And I don't think I have to explain that, but you understand yeah. that relationship, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. They're like, the cheaper we can get it, don't ask questions. Yeah. But yeah. it also goes back and forth. For instance, like we could eat, like the US could easily make its own clothes and yes. then provide it. But they're paying minimum wage. Yeah, exactly. It would cost more for the clothes. Yeah. But instead, what they do is they pay less for it to be shipped here. But then they would, like, as a consumer, mm -hmm. you then would use that money to spend in a different sector in the U.S. Yes. So it's not just about let's be greedy and spend as least as possible. It's like, yes. no, let's be greedy and spend as least as possible. But let's have as much money as humanly possible left after the purchase to then spend in-house. Yes. For instance, you buy a TV for X amount of dollars if it was made in the U.S. Mm -hmm. You would get it for $200 cheaper if you bought it from the China import. Yes. Right? What would you do with that extra $200? Go to a restaurant. You take yes. your family to a baseball game. Right. You would, yeah. you know what I mean? Put it into the you would stimulate the economy, economy in a different way. Right. The U.S. doesn't make a lot of, we'll call them simple things. Yes. Like clothing, textiles, small things. But then they export a lot of really big things. Right. Rockets, planes, technology, stuff like that. Right. They do a lot of those big things, and that's how they stimulate a different portion of the economy that other countries cannot do. Right. So at the end of the relationship, yeah. the U.S. is actually making more money from that deficit. Right. It's just from the import-export relationship, it looks like a deficit and it looks bad. Yeah, I can, I can get that. And also, uh, the population of the U.S. is so high that, you know, you're importing, you know, whatever, Mitsubishi or cars from another country. Sure. And there is, you know, how many times people that are i mean you know we've already talked about it before the population of california is almost the amount of canada so the amount of people in in the united states who want to buy a car is insanely higher so yeah we've got ford here in canada but it's like ford can can afford to service our population sure they could never have a have a car dealership that could afford to service the population of the u.s mm -hmm. they're bringing in all these different exports exactly yeah, okay so the exchange rates and the value of each dollar is really only relevant when you trade it for another country's currency, mm -hmm. right? So you, you kind of know how that works, right? So the U.S. is like, we are 77 cents to the U.S. right now. Right. Right. So well, I, I don't have to explain that, right? You understand kind of how that works. Uh, don't assume anything. Uh, okay. Like, I understand how it works in that, like... Like, mathematically. Oh, no, no, yeah, I understand that. Okay, cool, that yeah. was my question. Okay, cool. Um, it works the same way with imports and exports, okay? okay. When the dollar appreciates, mm -hmm. it gets cheaper for U.S. consumers to import foreign goods. Right. While U.S. exports to other countries get more expensive. Right. Because their dollar is higher, it costs other countries more money to buy their product. Yeah. But when their dollar value is higher, they have more buying power yeah. to buy more stuff. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. U.S. imports rise 
and the export falls. The opposite happens, obviously, when the dollar depreciates. Yeah. Okay. When the U.S. imports more products from Canada, they exchange USD for the Canadian dollar. This will increase the demand for the Canadian dollar, and it will therefore appreciate. Okay. At the same time, the United States dollar will then depreciate. Because they want uh, our stuff. Yes, well, because they're buying more stuff, right? Some countries will choose to peg their currency to another's. When the country's central bank wants to keep the exchange rate in a certain range, they buy or sell currencies to keep it in that range. No, no goods have been exchanged. They just buy money itself. Yes, but just wait. So the Chinese government, which is also funny because Trump calls it all the time, he goes... He goes, currency manipulators. The Chinese are currency manipulators. Right. I don't think there's anything in the law that says they can't. Right. But Trump has been pushing it as if it's a bad thing. But the Chinese government was well known for buying U.S. dollars to keep the Chinese currency artificially depreciated. So when the U.S. is – when the U.S., sorry, imports goods from China, the the yen or the yuan would appreciate. Right. Okay. Then the Chinese government would then immediately turn around and buy United States dollars. Okay. Which would then balance the scales and keep the exchange rate the same. Okay. This kept Chinese imports relatively cheap and would continue the fluent relationship of imports and exports. They take the money they got from the U.S. And use use that money to buy U.S. dollars. And that would balance the scales. And just keep everything the same all the time. Like just like for even numbers, even situations, it's not going to be the same, but imagine it was. Yeah. They bought a a trillion dollars worth of goods. They would then take a trillion dollars and buy U.S. dollars. Right. So it's like, hey, as you depreciate and we appreciate, then we will depreciate and you will appreciate and yeah. the scales balance. keep buying our stuff. So that they can continue that ebb and flow right. of that push and pull of, of imports and exports. Right. So the obvious question is, why aren't they all just valued at the same unit? Right. Why can't we just have universal currencies? Yeah. LOL. We can't. No. The main reason behind it is because like I said before, when we separated from gold and value and stuff like that, almost every single country did it at different times. Uh, okay. And when they separated from value, um, there was no international trade. There was no international economies. There was no massive like trades between like big groups and entities. People um, stuck to their own to what they knew they stuck to the, the ma- or like the the adjacent country more or less yeah, yeah. And, and also like if there was trade it is a penny to what is happening now well yeah no one was going across the world to say hey would you like a missile no exactly yeah yeah or a sweatshirt yeah well yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's probably more realistic yeah. <laughs> um and and so that's kind of where that stemmed from but most importantly um importantly mm, well done uh the u.s in particular held on to the gold sanctions for about 20 to 25 years longer than any other country leading into the First World War. Okay. Um, so from there, the U.S. dollar had the highest value for a while. Because they had a lot of gold, is that what you're saying? Well, because they would back it to gold. Okay. Right? Whereas Physically had a lot of gold. Physically had it in their um, reserve. Yeah, okay. Right? Whereas a lot of other people are like, yeah, we got, we got gold, LOL, take our word. And then they just continuously printed paper and printed paper and printed paper right. and devalued a lot of things. Okay. Right? Outside of that, U.S. became the most integral part of international trade. 
So is there just gold sitting in a bunch of places? There is, but not to the value of dollars that there are in the world. Okay. Yeah. The answer is yes, but not not even close. Okay. Um, I'd love to know that answer, though. How much gold is there to dollars in the world? Because you yeah, know like, there's way more dollars. Yeah, and why is the gold... like So somewhere... Someone's pres- hoarding gold. Presumably, yep. they're meant to just have gold sitting somewhere, and they yep. print the amount of dollars that equals the gold. Yep. That's not true, obviously. Not anymore. Not they anymore, broke away from that. But like there was a period where that was a thing. Uh-huh. But it's like... It's irrelevant. It could just be like the Wizard of Oz behind a curtain. Basically. That's what I'm trying. Like yeah. to, that's what I'm trying to say. It yeah. went from value in an object to value in a thing. So the gold itself at this point is really completely have any irrelevant. Value. It has zero value, yeah. right? Like that's what I'm trying to say. If you tried to go to a local business right now with a block, a brick of gold, yeah, they would not Didn't give they, you a yeah. product. No. What will I do with that? If you went to Best Buy right now and tried to buy a PS5 with a block of brick or yeah. a brick of brick of gold. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Mary had to pick a pack of pickled peppers. Yeah, Mary. <laughs> they would they, they would laugh at you. Yeah, which even is though funny. in in certain times and yeah. in, maybe even in in current times, yeah. that block of brick gold Jesus <laughs> um, is worth way more than the four hundred dollars the PS Five is worth. Exactly, it's like four hundred dollars. Well, lol. Well, how much it's closer that? to seven? No, yes. Jeff. After taxes. <gasps> but at, you know what are you gonna do with a block of brick? Gold! <laughs> Mary, what did we just say? Perry! Uh, uh, but yeah, so uh, obviously as each individual country's, mm. um, you know, interest rates and currencies fluctuate like dollars that are going in through the society right. and how their economy is doing, yeah. that will then have a relationship to the economy of its adjacent country. Right. Right? And therefore create the, well, it it comes down to buying power. Mm -hmm. So the U.S. goes, okay, with one USD, I can buy a bag of chips. Yeah. When you go into Iran or China and they say, well, that same bag of chips is worth 104 yen. Yeah. Then you go, one USD is worth 104 yen. Right. But as those individual countries ebb and flow based on their economy, based on their inflation, based on their things, but it, then uh, those relationships of the buying power changes. But it's individual. Exactly. So but it, here's the big thing is that yeah. that's how it originally started. Okay. But then the international trade economy, which is kind of where it came from, kind of pegged itself to the U.S. Right. So it's the U.S.'s buying power for that. So if you were to do the math, the... If you take the Canadian to the U.S. dollar, it's 77 cents, which... Which is like point blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so 0.77 USD is one Canadian dollar. But like well, not exactly 0.77. There's a there's de- other decimals, right? I mean, like, like maybe. Well, there is because like I say this... Before. I think 0.77 is rounded up because yeah. we don't have a currency below that. <laughs> Bless you. Um, so if you were to take one USD and convert it to yen, it equals 104.449... Sorry, 104.49 yen. Similarly, if you take 1.30 Canadian dollars, which is the same as 1 USD, mm-hmm. it will then also equal the same amount of yen. Right. Which leads me to believe, and I think I'm correct in saying this, yeah. that the majority of international trade and dollar conversions go through the USD. Because the relationship between the US and China is going to be way different than the relationship from China and Canada. So what they have in similarity is Canada to the U.S., 
U.S. to China, and that's where you get the U.S. to China's uh, currency difference. That the U.S. holds like the I don't want to use the word majority, but like it's like they're the they're the big ball player in international trade, right? And therefore, their dollar is like the peg mark, the benchmark for the dollar. I mean, maybe, but what I understood from you is that the 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 rate of everybody's dollar is dependent on their own country, more or less. Yes, but it's also the relationship to other countries. So, for, like, remember how I said that China can buy, like, they'll buy products, but then buy the dollars back to keep the rate yes. the same. They won't necessarily have to do that with other countries, but they would do that with the U.S. to keep their rate of conversion the but, same. Yes, but it's still within their own country in a way. Even though they chose the U.S., they still altered the rate of the pay in their country. Exactly. Which it is only related to the U.S. because that's the currency they bought. Yes. Because they had traded with the U.S. Yes. But it doesn't mean that Canada to China is related to the U.S. It just means that... Do you know what I mean? Like, Canada's rate is whatever uh-huh. in relation to the U.S. Canada's rate... And obviously, their U.S. to, to Chinese rate is, is a ratio to the Canadian to Chinese rate. Because everybody's rate would be the same. No. Because if... If China, like, let's go back to, like, simplistic, yeah. okay? Like, you buy a bag of chips for 5 yen. Yeah. Okay, if that same bag of chips was a dollar in the U.S., and yeah. it was the same a dollar in Canada. No, it wouldn't be, though. Because if it was a dollar in the U.S., it would be whatever the relationship... To the U.S. is. So if you buy but, that or same... Or to China is. No, no, so this is what's going to happen. Canada and China yeah. figure out how much their bag of chips are worth in their own individual country. Yes. And then find out the relationship of how much their bag of chip is worth in their country versus how much that same bag of chip is worth in the U.S. Or they don't look at each other's. Well, they who, don't, but who's to say? That's what I'm trying to say. The world just decided. But you just said you're guessing that. Uh, well, it, it said it twice when I was doing my research, but I, w- I wasn't sure if I understood the sentence. Oh, oh, And then oh. I, I did about six different examples from six different currencies. Oh, I thought you said you were like, this is a guess. Well, I mean, it's a guess in terms of as much as everything I've said tonight is a guess. Well, uh, or in 30 episodes, 289. Yeah. Um, but but also, like, taking U.S. out of it, mm-hmm. if, let's just do simple numbers. Yeah. So if a bag of chips in Canada is $3. Yeah. And a bag of chips in the China China is three hundred yen. Yep. Even if the U.S. didn't exist, that's yep. still the conversion rate. So why does the U.S. matter? Well, because what ends up happening it's it's their relationship to the U.S. But why is that? But how do you know that? Because I do. Because when the U.S. economy goes up and down it, yes. to its relation to other countries, for instance, yes. then every other conversion will then balance out accordingly. But won't that happen with any country? Like if Canada's if Canada's yep. dollar goes up or down, yep. that also changes with the U.S. or with China? Yes, but when the Canadian dollar goes up or down, in what relation does it go up and down to? What do you mean? When you go, the Canadian dollar went up today, where did it go up against? What it was worth yesterday. But it's, in what it's context? Buying power. But in what context? It's buying power within the country. No, that is not true. When the dollar, when, when you made that purchase... And then five days later, made the same purchase. Yes. The Canadian dollar... Yeah, but I didn't purchase it in Canadian dollars. No, 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 no. But what I'm trying to tell you is that when that dollar goes up or down... Yes. It is not based on your necessarily buying power within your country. It's the buying power in another country. In that case, yes. In every case. No, no, in every case. But in that case, the Canadian dollar could have stayed the same. No. But... Well, the same within itself. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Oh, within its own country. But the U.S. dollar changed. Relative mean, to the Canadian dollar. Yes. You're not understanding that it's not that like, 
Like, for instance, if you cut the U.S. completely out of the picture. Yeah. And you just bought that same piece of music yeah. twice yeah. within five days. Why about two different pieces of music, but they're worth the same? Go on. Whatever. You would not see a difference because they're the same cost in Canadian dollar. They would never fluctuate because Correct. that's the dollar you see. Yes. So nothing actually happened to the Canadian dollar. Right. What happened in those five days is the relationship between the value of the Canadian dollar and the value of the United States dollar, which was 0. 0.0005. Yes. Something so here's happened my question. in the economy. Yes. Where either the U.S. value or perceived value yes. of the U.S. dollar either went up or the Canadian dollar but went down. it's not the relationship between Canada and U.S. It's yes, it is. No. It's the relationship between the U.S. and everyone else. Right? In that particular instance, it could have been, but it's more so. But how could it have gone up in relationship between one and not the other? Like if I if I bought a U.S. piece of music uh-huh. and then again the next what, five days later yep. and it was more expensive the next time. Yep. If someone in China did it, it would be the same. It would also be more expensive, right? Hypothetically, yes. But in that instance, the Chinese dollar could have went up or down to accommodate it. So it could have been the exact same cost both times. The difference is the relationship between... It's always the relationship between two countries. It's never the country independent. When we go, the US dollar went up by Mm 0.005. That's in relation to us, not in general. Exactly. Globally, it didn't go up by 0.005. Not necessarily. It went up to us. When you look at the relationship between the US and China, it may not have gone up or down because the Ch- China then could have been like, whoa, 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 we see you going up. We don't want our shit getting more expensive. They could have then bought the equivalent amount in USD and balanced the scales. Or the but US sort could of have as long, though. So they're like, we don't want our exchange rate to change, so we'll spend money so it doesn't. That's, that's Where what Where Canada goes, we won't spend money. We'll keep the amount of money in the bank we have, but well, our exchange rate will change. Well, so that's it's like, why it's they brought us as long. It's not as broad as long because with equal or like smaller exchange rates yeah it'll promote more buying for instance right now me and you are going outside of the coronavirus yeah we're both going jesus 77 cents to the dollar yeah. every time i go to florida and buy a pair of pants i'm spending way more yeah a third or a quarter more basically so it doesn't stimulate yeah. our buying power no but if also- it was dollar for dollar we would go to the states all the time because one canadian dollar would buy us the same dollar amount in the U.S., but stuff yes. is cheaper in the U.S., so we'd buy tons of it and then bring it back. Yes. But the reality, like, that doesn't happen. Yeah. So if Canada could artificially depreciate its dollar value, yeah, or vice versa, sorry, yes, somehow appreciate. artificially appreciate it, yes. or if the U.S. said, actually, you know what? We miss all the Canadians coming over and buying our shit. Yeah. Let's go buy U- Canadian dollars with our USD dollars. Yeah. It would balance the scales promote us coming back over to buy more stuff, yeah. it would stimulate the economy more. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So there's that. But it's always the the doll, the exchange rate is irrelevant to a country within itself unless you're comparing it to an adjacent or a different company, not even adjacent, a different con- country. Right. Yeah, no, I was missing that. So like when it's like 70 cents to the dollar, that's specific to us. The can, no one else is looking at the U.S. and going, oh, it's 70 cents to the whatever yen. No. It's what it... It's whatever to the whatever yen. Yeah. It doesn't like seventy cents to to us is nothing to anybody else. No, it's, it's nothing every, to anybody. Everybody else. has to compare to each other. Yep. And that's it. But what ends up happening is when you're comparing everybody to everybody else, it always kind of bounces off the relationship to the USD. All right. Yep. Because the USD just happens to be the main point. So when the yen well, goes, they're doing more exports or more imports rather than or, or it's just the central the yeah. central conceit, right? So like yeah. if if they say, Oh, the yen's up three cents. Yeah. It's not up three cents. Yeah. It's not you just gained three cents worth of more buying power within China. No. No. 
you gained an extra three cents against buying power in the United States. Right. When the Canadian dollar, oh, we're up to almost a dollar. We're up to almost a dollar in buying power from Canada to the United States. Right. So if you went up by three cents in China mm-hmm. to the U.S., that might be six or seven cents in Canada for China. Te- te- technically, yes. yes. That's kind of how it would right. work. Yeah. yeah, okay. Like if that's how the math worked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's it at first, the, the basis of it is the value mm-hmm. or the ability and the buying power within that particular country. The right. inflation, the interest rate, the unemployment rate, the amount of currency fluctuating within that country and how its market and economy is doing. Right. Then you take that relationship and its buying power and spending power and its relationship to the U.S. Okay. Mostly. Yep. Then it's balancing it from there. How much buying power does your currency have in the other country? Yeah. Okay. Does that help? Yep. I think so. You think so? Mm-hmm. Jen? Best of the British luck to your girl. Best of British luck. I mean, who's, <laughs> like people study economics for years. They do masters. They do doctorates. They and do I studied drugs. It. Uh, they do. I studied it for an hour before I came over. And he is a doctor in economics. Mm-hmm. After that one hour. Dr. Jeff Sims, everybody. Thank you. Um, great. Another one at its end. <laughs> Hype. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Um, episode 29, baby. We're almost at 30. We are almost at that. Like, we do you are feel, almost at 30. Do you feel a like existential crisis coming on? I've been feeling an existential crisis <laughs> for quite some time, Evan. Unrelated to the podcast. No. I don't know if you saw, but I made a Facebook post. I did. And guess what? What? Giveaway, baby! Giveaway, baby! I didn't tell you about it until after I did it. It's okay. I'm not sure you shared the post yet. I did. Oh, good. Um, so we are doing a giveaway. Yep. And that is, uh, what? how much did I decide? Two, two t-shirts? Two give- t-shirts. Okay. Um, to two t-shirts, they, I think you have to, God, I don't know. What is it? You have to comment on the post. You have to share the post. There's three things, and then there's bonus things. The bo- Yeah, so you have to like the post. Comment, Sh- comment, share, share. It. So that's the minimum. Yep. You must do that to get your name entered at all. Yep. Then there are bonus entries. Mm-hmm. You can rate and review. Yep. You get so now you've got two entries. Yep. What was the other thing? The other thing was to send in a topic at info.splainin yes, at gmail.com. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. The things that we tell you every damn day. Every damn week. So if you do the basically, if you do what we've been telling you to do yes. for I'm talking months. I'm talking 29 weeks worth. If you just do that, uh-huh. you could get free stuff. Free t-shirts. This is unprecedented. This is the first time this has happened. Normally, we ask you to do this. We're not going to give you anything No. For it. We're just begging. <laughs> We're really begging <laughs> by the side of the road. You don't get anything. This is you a get trade the- deficit. <laughs> well done. <laughs> you get the feeling of... Of doing good for those less than. Yes. That up until now. But now, yep. you get the feeling of, I can benefit with a gorgeous cotton shirt. Oh, God. And it fits so nicely. It fits so nicely. It hugs Jeff. all the right places. I mean, Jeff and I uh-huh. are very different physiques. I do not go to the gym. Neither do Jeff, I. Jeff, you go to the gym. You no, are not. so modest. Let's get, let's not get but Jeff right. goes to the gym, and you know what? He, he finds that shirt so... So mm, tight, mm, so mm, mm. so form fitting, and yet comfortable. Uh-huh. And above, uh, on my lanky, uh, 
underfed. No, I couldn't even be less <laughs> no, true. I was going to say, you are more than fed, Evan Smith. Yeah, I'm more than fed. Hobgoblin of chips. Um, but but lanky-ish. Like, I can't say that about myself anymore, Let's can not I? Let's carried away. You're a very handsome man, and the shirt fits you nicely as well. Jeff, thank you so much. You're welcome. That's what I was rooting for. I was just rooting until you said that. I was going to say, you're um, fishing, and you finally found the hook. Yes, well, it fits us both to a T, is all I can say. Meanwhile, I want one of the ones with the slogan. I don't have one yet. Well, you're not getting one unless you like, comment, share, and then write a review and then send in a topic at info.splainin at gmail.com. I wrote the post, but I'll do that as well. You better. So please do. And I guess when I thought about the rate and review thing, you should probably like... Somehow signify that it is you. Yeah, doing write so. your name in a way that we'll go. Oh yeah, that's that person. Or when you send us the email saying, yeah. "Hey, we'd love to hear this topic." My put in parentheses. Review, yeah. I wrote a review at like Sweeney Girl sixty nine. Please do that. This is my review. That's where we're gonna go with Sweeney Girl sixty nine. Like Sweeney Todd. Do we have alts on that Sweeney Girl sixty nine? <laughs> I think uh, I was gonna go with like hates the podcast, loves wings. <laughs> that was my handle was um, it yeah good um so yes please as always enter in for that amazing contest for an opportunity to win two shirts but also just outside the contest just do us a favor like share comment I think we need to say any of this i think we've covered it okay well then we, i hope you learned something this week i hope you have too and what if you I, didn't what do i say here there's always next week <laughs> Jeff, you do the whole outro by yourself. Yes, because you're too stupid. <laughs> do you want to try it again? No. <laughs> Go on. Wait, let's reverse it. You'll never be satisfied, satisfied. We hope you learned something this week. And if you didn't, there's always next week. That felt interesting. I liked it. Okay. <laughs> Everything, every little thing was gonna be all right. Ready?